background, uh, but let's pray first and we'll dig into the text. Heavenly Father, as we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us this morning. I pray that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. And if you need a Bible also, they're on the back table. Grab one for yourself. You got to make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Can I get an amen? All right. So this morning we continue to look at this letter that has great theological significance, and the focus of it is the supremacy of Christ. As we've talked about repeatedly, but there's some new people here, I want to make sure you understand. You take a text out of context, I get left a con, amen? So I want to make sure you understand it. So the Jews, the Christians, Jewish Christians, people who had converted to Christianity, who recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, have been walking with him for some time. But what's happening is the temple is still there, at least for a few more years. And as it's there, they're still seeing people that have rejected Jesus as the Messiah going to the temple. And so there was this struggle because their family's going to temple, the shofar's being blown, and, there, and there's a temptation to want to maybe add it to Jesus or instead of Jesus to go back to that old way. And this letter was written by a Jew to the Jews, tell them to quit being Jews, amen. And as he writes it to them, he's telling them that Jesus is better. And throughout the text, we see Jesus is better. We saw first in chapter one that Jesus is better than the prophets. God uses the prophets mightily. Jesus is better. We saw that Jesus is better than the angels. Angels used mightily by God. Jesus is better. And then we've been talking about Jesus being better than Moses and the law of Moses and the old covenant. Now the old covenant, you know, if you're not a a Bible scholar of any kind, the old covenant was God's plan until Jesus came. They made sacrifices that all pointed to Jesus. The, the day of atonement, all the feasts, everything that they did was all pointing to Jesus. And once Jesus came, the old covenant was done away with. As he said in the upper room, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of sins. That's why we're not dragging lambs and goats in here and, and sacrificing them on Sunday. Can I get an amen to that? So it's been paid in full. And so, but there's still this temptation to go back. And some of you think, well, how does that apply to us? Well, some of us that are here and some watching on live stream or listening on radio later, maybe you grew up in a very religious system and then you've given your life to the Lord and you feel like you got you to maybe do both because it's so indoctrinated into your way of life. And so that's what the, the Jewish people, the Christians, these early Christians were dealing with. This was the struggle and a lot of the letters really focusing on that. So the supremacy of Christ, and as we come to chapter four, at uh, the end of chapter four, we have this outline here, grab it. I tell the message, our great high priest, and we're going to see nine ways that Jesus is better than all the high priests that have gone before him. See, Jesus is not only better than the prophets. He's not only better than the angels. He's not only better than Moses. He's also better than the high priests who were used mightily by God. They were appointed by God. They were called by God. They were descendants of Aaron and God used them mightily. And what the high priest's job was, he interceded on behalf of the people with God and interceded with the people on behalf of God. He was the intermediary between God and the people. He was the one that would make the sacrifices. He was the one that would proclaim the truth. So the high priest was somebody used mightily by God. But Jesus came. He is the great high priest. And that's why we don't need priests anymore. Can I get an amen to that? Some of you went, oh, well, that's not very nice. (laughs) But the reality is, Jesus is greater. So here's nine ways. We'll go through this. Uh, Lord willing, I've got 48 pages of notes, so we'll see if we finish or not. But nine ways that Jesus is better than all the high priests that have gone before. Number one, Jesus is in heaven. Amen? Amen. 
Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding on your behalf right now. None of the high priests that went before him are doing that. Amen? But Jesus is in heaven. He came from heaven. He ascended back to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Can I get an amen to that? There are no other sons, you know, we are sons and daughters of God, but we're not the son of God or the daughter of God. Can I get an amen to that? So he's the son of God. Again, high priests were sons of Aaron. Jesus is sinless, perfect, and holy. The high priests were sinners who needed to make sacrifices for themselves before they could make sacrifices for others. Jesus never made sacrifices for others. He was the sacrifice for others. He is the sacrifice for all of us. Amen. Number four, Jesus paid the price for us once and for all. The, the priests would be making, there were sacrifices they made daily. There were some they made weekly. There were some they made monthly. There were some that they made uh, once a year. And there was constant blood flowing. And there was constant sacrifices being made. It's been said that a priest was as much a butcher as he was a priest. They were constantly sacrificing animals. Well, the good news is once Jesus died on the cross, it's paid in full forever. Amen? So Jesus is better. He's sinless. He's perfect. He's holy. He paid the price for us once and for all. And Jesus was in all ways tempted and yet without sin. You know, Jesus was tempted. Jesus was fully, is fully God. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. But I love that the Bible teaches us so clearly that he became fully man. And as a man, as someone who became fully man, he was in all ways tempted and yet without sin. So he can relate to you. He can relate to us. He has great compassion for us because he knows what, it, what it's like to live in a human body. Yet he did it without sin. He's our example that we follow. Number, number uh, five, number six, Jesus called by God and not by men. Now, all the priests were called by God, but Je Jesus was uniquely called because he is the son of God who was risen from the dead. And then number seven, Jesus is our great high priest forever, the one and only intercessor between God and man. He's the rock upon whom the church is built. So contrary to what some people might teach you, Peter is not the rock upon whom the church is built and praise God for that. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Okay, upon this rock, I will build my church. He was talking to Peter and people say, well, it's Peter or, or it could be his confession of who Jesus is. But we know Jesus is the rock, amen? And we know that he is the chief cornerstone and the church is built upon him, not any other man because Jesus is God and Jesus is better. Jesus suffered in our place. The high priest did not suffer in anyone's place. Jesus did. He is both the high priest and the sacrifice. And finally, Jesus is the author of our eternal salvation. The Bible tells us there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. You cannot be saved through the apostles. You can't be saved through saints. By the way, we're all saints. Can I get an amen to that? Saint means set apart or sanctified one, set apart one. You've heard me say it before, you're either a saint or an ain't, amen? You're either saved or you're not, you're born again or you're not. And we're saints, don't be praying to me and do you no good. Can I get an amen? So we don't pray to saints, we don't, you know, there, there aren't saints to help us find lost stuff. It's a bunch of nonsense. Can I get an amen? None of that's in scripture. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? And so Jesus alone, he is the author of our eternal salvation. It is finished, it's paid in full praise the Lord. So let's begin there looking first at Jesus is in heaven. Beginning there in Hebrews chapter four, picking up at verse 14, where we left off last week, says there, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus is the son of God. Let us hold fast 
our confession. Jesus is better. And again, seeing that we have, seeing then, the writer wants to call attention to the specific and unique character of Jesus, our high priest. Again, in the temptation of the Jews, no doubt, you, no doubt I, this is a conversation that I imagine happening. When I study the Bible, I try to put myself in the shoes of everyone that, in the story that's taking place. And I imagine being, having, you know, a relative that's still going to temple, coming to them saying, well, you know, we have a temple, you guys meet in a field or you meet in a house. You know, we, we have, we have priests. You don't, you don't have a priest. You know, we have, you know, we sacrifice animals. You guys aren't doing that. We have, you know, we have all the, the implements and all the, we still have all these feasts. And what are you guys doing? You can almost imagine that conversation taking place. And maybe you've come out of the Catholic Church or somewhere else. And by the way, let me say this quickly. I believe there are people within the Catholic Church who are saved. But that being said, I believe the Catholic Church itself teaches a false gospel. Because when you add anything to the cross of Christ, that's a false gospel. Can I get an amen? So you don't need, you know, be confirmed and then have your last rites. I told you my mom died a few weeks ago. They wanted to give her last rites. I'm like, she doesn't need any of that. She's in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? There is no purgatory. It's all created by men. And if you've been under that, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. And I hope you understand the truth. Can I get an amen? Okay. So here, here the, there's a temptation saying, what do you have? We have all these things. And we know that God gave those to us because God had given them to him. But they all pointed to Jesus. So you can see where there might even be confusion and conflict. So how would they respond? Who intercedes for you? Who represents you to God? You don't have any priests anymore. Who burns incense? Who makes sacrifices? Who wears the robes? We have a temple. The horn blows. We have the pomp and circumstance. We have the priests. We have the sacrifices. What do you have? You go to someone's house, you sing a few songs, and you read the Bible. You left the majesty of the temple for that. No doubt a potential stumbling block for these once faithful Jews. They may have missed the temple. Well, here's what he's telling them. We have a great high priest. See, guys, we, we don't have those priests anymore because we don't need them. We have the great high priest. Amen? Now, the term priest is used in the Bible, and men are called to be priests of their household. But I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about is someone who is specifically set aside to be that intercessor between God and man. And that person doesn't exist because we have Jesus. Notice he's referred to as the great high priest. The word great there is eminent in ability, in virtue, in authority, in power. Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus is better. Well, how is he better? Look what it says. He passed through the heavens. He left heaven and came to earth and took on humanity. We've talked about this, but doesn't it blow your mind that Jesus left heaven because he loves you? We want to go to heaven because we love him. He left heaven and came here to this fallen world, knowing all the mess that was going to await him, knowing that he was going to be mocked, knowing that most people would reject him, knowing that he was going to have to go to the cross. And he did all of that because he loves you. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Amen? And he's proven it on the cross of Calvary. But he passed through the heavens. He ascended again into heaven. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. So Jesus is better. He's in heaven. Temple high priest isn't. Has daily and constant access to the Father. And the high priest, one day a year on the day of atonement, went into the model of heaven, and God used it. And he would make sacrifice for himself. Then he would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat of the ark. That was one day a year. And it would be a different high priest, usually year after year, 
Jesus Christ is not a model of heaven, not, but he's in heaven, and he has direct access to the Father, and he's one with the Father at all times, and every believer has a friend in high places. Can I get an amen to that? So Jesus is better. He's in heaven. He, he and the Father are one. If you've seen Jesus, if, you've seen, if you want to see the Father, look at Jesus. And the high priest one day a year had a model of heaven. Notice it says next, he is the son of God. The high priest were sons of Aaron. The way you became high priest, nobody voted on the high priest. And it was not a job you aspired to. I mean, you didn't go to college. They didn't have a booth for high priest, right? On, on career day, right? Because here is how, how it worked. The high priest was a son of Aaron, and you were born into it. And that was a, a calling or a gifting that you had in your life. But we saw a lot of people that tried to take that position that they were not worthy of. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But Jesus is the son of God, not a son of Aaron. He's a, again, why would you go back to the son of Aaron when you can have the son of God? That's the response. We have the temple. We have the sacrifice. We have the son of God. Can I get an amen? We have a risen and living savior who's triumphed over sin and death. You know, I love long plane flights and I love sitting in the aisle and praying for the guy who's going to be near the window who I'm going to have for 17 hours. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and I love praying for them. I think of when Paul was chained to the, to the guards. And I remember one time I had a Hindu man sitting next to me and he was telling me how they had 30 million gods and you only got one God. You only got one book. Well, you know what? We've got the one savior. Can I get an amen to that? And we've got the one who's risen from the dead. You got 30 million dead gods created by men. We got one risen living savior who triumphed over sin and death and created all things. Can I get an amen? amen? So guys, it doesn't matter how many idols you have. It doesn't matter how much pomp and circumstance you have. It doesn't matter how ornate the building is where you go to meet. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> As we're meeting outside, can I get an amen? But, but the Lord is here because the church isn't a building, it's the people, amen? So leave the creator of the universe, God manifest in the flesh. He, he left heaven. He came to earth. And you're going to leave the creator of the universe for a mere man? You're going to run back to religious rituals? Jesus is better. Again, he's in heaven, and he's also the son of God. It says there, let us hold fast to our con confession, knowing that we have a heavenly high priest. Our high priest is the son of God who intercedes on our behalf, and we need to hold fast to our faith in him. Guys, your faith is only as good as the object you place your faith in. Amen? And you'll hear people on TV talk about have faith, have faith, you gotta have faith, gotta have faith. Faith in what? Faith in who? Not faith in faith, faith in Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So guys, the reason that our faith can be strong is because of the God that we serve and because we know who he is. We don't know about him, we know him. Amen? And he is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. So our faith is in Christ. And we need to continue to, to be mindful of our confession and our faith in him and not be drawn away by religious rituals, not be drawn away by denomination. Guys, we're not of Calvary Chapel. We're of Jesus Christ. Amen? And praise God for that. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The word there, sympathy, means to suffer along with. Jesus took on humanity. He knew what it meant. He knows what it means to suffer. And I, I think you could say clearly that he knows what it means to suffer more than any of us. Amen? And I'm not just talking about 
His death on the cross, that was suffering enough, or the fact that he was scourged, or the fact that he was mocked. But the fact that he knew separation from the Father and all the sin of all mankind being placed upon him, Jesus suffered more than all of us. So when we suffer, he understands our suffering. Amen? And the Bible tells us that there's a blessing that takes place when we suffer. Again, he's not a faraway, unrelatable Savior. One who be, he's one who became like us, and he's an example of what godly living looks like. And know what it says there, and yet without sin. Jesus is sinless. It's point number three there on your nine items. No, no ironic high priest could say that he was without sin. Again, he would have to make sacrifice for himself first, so he could even go into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus Christ is God, and he is holy, and he is perfect, and he is righteous, and he is just. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega. He's almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. That's our savior. Can I get an amen to that? And we follow him. We don't follow men. We don't follow religion. We have a relationship with the king of kings. He's better. He has, he's in heaven. He's the son of God. He's sinless. The high priest went in once a year and Jesus is in the presence of the Father, and he and the Father are one. We don't need a temple anymore or, a sacrifice, or the sacrifices that, you know, those, or the rituals. We don't need an earthly high priest. We have a Savior. So for the Jews to hear of a, of a high priest who gives access any time contrary to their past religion is a powerful thing. We can talk to the Lord anywhere at any time. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, so we could enter into the Holy of Holies. And I believe the temple is destroyed on purpose, of course, so that we wouldn't look to a building, we look to the Lord. Amen? We don't put our faith in a building, we put our faith in the Lord, the creator of the universe. Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Because we have a great high priest, one who has finished the work, is compassionate and gracious toward us, we can come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence. We can come before Almighty God with confidence, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Amen? We don't come boldly because we're perfect, but because our Savior is perfect. Amen? And because of that, we can run into his presence anywhere and anytime. Guys, I don't think we take advantage of that enough. Amen? We come to him through prayer. My Bible says you should make my father's house a house of prayer. Prayer should not be the last resort. Amen? And the word of God is our daily bread, not our seasonal cake. Can I get an amen? We, re we eat bread every day. It's not just something you have on your birthday. Can I get an amen to that? It's not Christmas and Easter only. Amen? We want to be in the word of God every day so we can enter into his presence through prayer. We can sing his praises. We have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. And then we open up his word and his word of God gives us direction for life. His Holy Spirit ministers to our hearts. Guys, that's the kind of relationship we can have with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not a faraway, distant God. He's Abba, Daddy, and Daddy's never far away. Can I get an amen to that? We don't come on our own good works, or if we did, we'd have the fear of being crushed. It's because of Jesus we can come with confidence to find that mercy and grace. The Lord's always ready to meet you. He's always our help in the time of need. Grace does not ignore justice. It operates in fulfillment of God's grace in the light of the cross. And guys, Jesus is better. You know, if you're not as close to God as you used to be, what do I always say? Who moved? Who moved? 
Amen? We move away from him. He never moves away from us. You know, like the prodigal son, if you come on home, he'll, he'll kill the fatted calf. He loves you. So we see that Jesus is better. Jesus is in heaven. He's our great high priest. Jesus is the son of God. He's sinless, perfect, and holy. Let's move on now to chapter five. Look at verse one. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may both offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The word for there, seeing then in light of what we just heard about the priest, because of that, referring back to the priesthood of Jesus, the following verses will both compare and contrast him with the, the priests of Aaron. They came through the line of Aaron. Jesus fulfills the qualifications of the office, yet Jesus, whom they are being uh, tempted to abandon, is far better. It says in Hebrews, sums up the contrast between the high priest of the old covenant in chapter 7 and our great high priest. For the law points as high priest men who have weakness, but the word... But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the son who has been perfected forever. See, the priests that raised up were imperfect men. We don't follow imperfect men. We follow a perfect savior. Amen? And there's an application for that. There are all, your, all pastors are imperfect. Can I get an amen to that? And we don't follow men. And we've had some men who are being from outward appearance being used mildly by God that have fallen pretty hard in the last few months. Can I get an amen to that? And people are stumbled by that. Well, you're only stumbled by that if you're following a man. If you're following Jesus, he will never let you down. Can I get an amen? amen. So don't put your faith in men. Put your faith in Christ. Because all men are fallible. All men are sinful. Even ones who, who smoke anoints them as the newest pope. They're all sinners in need of a savior like the rest of us. Can I get an amen to that? And so we don't follow men, we follow the Savior. And again, the old covenant, the high priest, was appointed by God. He was used mightily by God. That was God's plan. But the high priests were always pointing to Jesus. The sacrifices were always pointing to Jesus. All the feasts were always pointing to Jesus. Passover, the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross, was pointing to Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled all of it. All of this is a foreshadow. I love the Old Testament. Come on Thursday nights. The Old Testament rocks. Jesus is on every page. Amen? But we don't need to go back. And again, we've had Passover satyrs, and they're wonderful because they point to Jesus. But that's not something we need to do to fulfill our relationship with the Lord we can, because Jesus is the answer. He's the one we have been waiting for. If you've seen Jesus... You've seen the Father. It says, every high priest was taken from men. Every high priest was a man from Exodus 28 on, not an angel. And as a man, he could relate to men. So Jesus left heaven, came to earth, because, so he too could relate to us. They were appointed or ordained by men, consecrated or set apart to minister on behalf of men. So the high priests were taken from men, set apart on behalf of men in things pertaining to God. So the high priest's calling was to serve as an intermediary between man and God and between God and man. So his job was to intercede. Now, there are those who will teach you today that you need to go to a man and confess your sin, and then that man will tell you what you need to do to be forgiven. Well, we go to Jesus to confess our sin, and he's already done what needed to be done for us to be forgiven. Can I get an amen to that? It is finished, paid in full. We don't have to continue to go and we'll pray this with vain repetition 47 times and the Lord will forgive you. Well, to Talisai, paid in full. Can I get an amen to that? 
Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And again, there are people that are caught up in that tradition. And it's a, all it is is tradition. We need to pray for them. Amen? That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, it says at the, in that verse. Gifts and sacrifices. Always in that order. You note that not every sacrifice that was made in the Old Covenant was a blood atonement for sins. Many were free will offerings and peace offerings and were intended to be simple gifts to God. They were acts of worship and thanksgiving and the desiring of fellowship. And the high priest was to receive the gifts and direct the worship of the people. So the high priest is taken from the men, from men. He's set apart on behalf of men and he directs men to worship God. But the Old Testament high priest was a picture of someone who was coming and that's Jesus. So when Jesus came, the office of high priest is gone, and Jesus is the great high priest. Amen? So when you add anything to what Jesus did on the cross, you're making him a liar. You're shaking your fist at God. When he said it is finished, well, not really, but you still got to do this, and got to be confirmed, you got to have first holy communion, you got to do it. And you add all these things you got to do, and then you're going to be probably be in purgatory, and your parents you better have some people that have some money so we can pray you out of there. And you have all these things that are not in the Bible anywhere. Amen? Jesus is the great high priest. We come to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, they were set apart on behalf of men. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to save us. That's the reason he came to earth. He directs us into worship. He always points, points us to the Father. And he's the one that allows us to have fellowship with Almighty God. Do you know that if you do not have the Holy Spirit and you're not born again, your prayers are, might as well be yelling down a well? The Bible says that he does not hear the prayers of the unrighteous. Now, we're not righteous because we're right, we do everything right. We're righteous because we have right standing because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And have you ever noticed how the people that will mock your faith when something difficult is going on will call and ask you to pray? And actually, that's a good idea because God hears your prayers. Can I get an amen to that? Now, again... We should never be self-righteous or arrogant in any way. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. But because we have access to the Father, we must never take that for granted. Amen? Don't make Jesus the last resort. Well, I'm going to consult 75 people and get everyone's opinion. If none of that works, then I guess I'll pray. I guess that's what I can do. And when people even say to you sometimes, well, pastor, all I can do is pray for you. That's the best thing you can do for me. Can I get an amen to that? Notice it says there, and not only gifts, but sacrifices for our sins. Here's where the Old Testament or Old Covenant high priest and our great high priest uh, diverge. The Old Testament high priest made sacrifices for sins throughout the year. Again, sins and trespass offering. Then once a year of the Day of Atonement went into the Holy of Holies. But every sacrifice for sin pointed to the one that would be the sacrifice once and for all. Jesus paid the price once and for all, both fulfilling and doing away with the Old Covenant. Now, there are people that struggle with that, but the old covenant could not save us. It just pointed to the one who would. Amen? It was always pointing to Jesus. It was always, though, every sacrifice, you know, because here's what would happen. You would see how much blood had to be shed, and it would make it clear to you the high price for your sins. Can you imagine? Think about this. In the old covenant, when you were going to make sacrifice, you would have to bring that lamb probably into your house. Because you had to make sure it was spotless and it wasn't sick. And you'd pick the best one you had. And you know, you'd be petting it and feeding it and caring for it. And then you'd carry it down to the temple. And you'd hand it to the priest. 
and watch him slit the throat of this sweet little animal and it's blood shedding everywhere. And then they would take that blood and use that uh, you know, to make a sacrifice or they would put the lamb on the altar and, and cut it in pieces. I mean, it was a deal. But every time that happened, it would make you think about the fact that, boy, my sin comes with a heavy price. My sin just, I can't just mumble a prayer and walk away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but, but a Jesus. And so when Jesus came, all the blood of bulls and goats was always pointing to him. He fulfilled it all. And so he's, here's the writer, and I believe it's the apostle Paul, but whoever the writer is, is writing to the Jews saying, look, you don't have to keep doing that anymore. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to run back to the temple anymore. It's been paid in full. Aren't you glad it's been paid in full? Amen? We must never, ever forget that. So he prayed the price once and for all, for, the, for all of our sin. Number five, Jesus was and always tempted and yet without sin. Look at verse two and three. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also himself to offer sacrifices for sins. Now, this is talking about he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. So this is the high priest. We're not talking about Jesus here, right? So the high priest would be more than a a butcher offering sacrifice. He also had compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray and ministered the atoning sacrifices with a loving heart for the people. There's people who are ignorant. You know, some sin is committed in ignorance, but I think it's very, it's very rare. Amen. How many of you know when you're sinning? You better know because you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Can I get an amen to that? So when you sin, you feel convicted. And when I talk to people that are struggling in sin, I ask them, how do you, how did you, you know, how did you respond or how did you feel when you did that? If they say, I felt great, I don't, I'm, I'm questioning your salvation. Because if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you don't feel good about it. Can I get an amen to that? He comforts and he convicts. And so praise God. But there are those that some sins can be committed ignorantly. You could be driving along in an area and you think the speed limit's 35 and you're doing 25. And, and then you see the sign and you go, oh, whoops. And so you, you bring the speed down. But here's the reality. You know the speed limit and you drive over it. <laughs> can I get an amen to that? Am I the only one who's ever done that? No, I've never speeded in my life. But we know what the sin is. We have to run over the cross of Christ to get there. We feel convicted. So not only those who are ignorant, Proverbs 14, 12 said, there is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And then going astray, they've wandered from the truth into error. It says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We know when we are sinning, there's conviction. And again, By the grace of God, all we have gone astray and have turned away, the Lord has laid our iniquities, the iniquities of us all, upon him. God made specific commands to help ensure the high priest would minister with compassion. One of the things the high priest, he wore a breastplate. If you were here when I was teaching through Exodus, that was quite a few years ago. But, you know, on the the breastplate had gems that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And then on the shoulders were stones that had engraved on each side, six of the tribes on each side, showing that for the high priest, the tribes were near and dear to his heart, and the burden was being carried for them. The Bible says of Jesus, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. The Bible tells us that we are all near and dear to his heart. Can I get an amen to that? So for the high priest, it was a representation of when he would go in to make sacrifice, 
who he was doing it on behalf of. But all of this was always pointing to Jesus, who would be the one who would take all of our sin upon himself and that we would be near and dear to his heart. People of Israel were always on the heart and shoulders of the high priest, who's full of grace and compassion for the people. Each of us sin every day, and some may be sins done in ignorance, but most are done willfully in disobedience as we choose to go our own way. But praise God for the incredible compassion he shows us, each and every one of us, in our sin. So our great high priest holds us near and dear to his heart. We are his treasured possession. You've, you know, you've, seen, you've heard of the parable in the Gospels, uh, the pearl of great price, where a man goes and finds a field and goes and sells all that he has for this one pearl that's on that property. He sells everything he has to redeem that one pearl. Well, the pearl of great price is you. See, Jesus gave it all to redeem you. How do you determine the value of something what someone's willing to pay? How much do you mean to Almighty God? He paid it all for you. Can I get an amen to that? And guys, be reminded of how valuable you are to the Lord. Be reminded of how, other, how other valuable other people are to the Lord, and you might treat them different. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus died for them, and we need to be reminded of that. Since he himself is also subject to weakness, this is a reference to the priests of the Old Covenant. They were subject to weakness even in, as he intercedes and makes sacrifices on behalf of others. He would be a man who lived a sinful life. And so he had to go and make sacrifices for himself before he could make sacrifices for others. And while being chosen by God to intercede and make sacrifices on behalf of the people, he was indeed one who needed the sacrifice on his own. He, he needed Jesus just as much as we do. The apostles needed Jesus just as much as we do. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to recognize that we're all sinners in desperate need of a savior. You know, Jesus responded to temptation one way. Now, Jesus was tempted, but he did not have the weakness of the priest who had sinned. Jesus was tempted, and yet without sin. And here's a key. Remember this. When Jesus was tempted, how did he respond? With what? Say it. With the Word of God. And you can't respond with the Word of God if you don't read the Word of God. Can I get an amen to that? Open it, read it, obey it. Amen? And as we open the word of God and we know what the word of God says, then we, that's how we respond when we're tempted. The Bible tells us with temptation, God makes a way of escape. Amen. And so with that temptation, how do we respond? Every time you're tempted, you have a chance to grow or to fall. You can fall for the lie and, fall and, and choose to sin, or you can re, you, you know, rebuke it, walk away from it. I like that word, rebuke. Walk away from it, resist it. The Bible says resist the devil and what? He'll flee from you. So guys, we don't have to sin but we do. Can I get made of that? God desires that we live holy and set apart lives, but we do sin every day. We're justified just as if we've never sinned. We're being sanctified until the day we're glorified. Amen? So it's not until we're glorified will we be sinless. And while we're in the sanctification process, we're not sinless, but as Christians, we should sin less. Can I get an amen to that? Because we view sin differently. Amen? So he was tempted the Lord was, without, and yet without sin. And Jesus can relate to temptation, but he conquered it. Verse 3, because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. God made specific commands to help ensure the high priest would minister with a clear awareness of his own sin and weakness. Now, this is contrasting the high priest with the great high priest, Jesus, the ones who had to make sacrifices, again, for their own sin. On the Day of Atonement, before he went into sacrifice for the sins of everyone else, he had to go make a sacrifice for himself. 
And the high priest, again, first presented a bull for his own sin offering. And, lay, and then he would lay hands on the head of an animal, usually a goat. And he would confess all of his sin uh, that he had committed. And this is in first century Jewish writings. He would say, oh God, I have committed iniquity and transgressed and sinned before you. And I in my house, the children of Aaron, thy holy people, oh God, forgive, I pray, the iniquities and sins which I have committed and transgressed before you. I and my house. So he would confess his sins. And we know that they would take the goat, one of them they would sacrifice, and the other one, they would send it out, send it away from the east as far out west. And they would literally position people along the way to relay back that the goat kept going. Now, isn't it interesting? The Bible tells us when we've been forgiven, he separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. Guys, the Bible rocks. Can I get an Amen. They're making sacrifices and they were sending out that. And by the way, that's where you get the term scapegoat. That's where it comes from. So biblical where somebody takes on the responsibility of someone else's behavior. There's the scapegoat. And that's in the Bible. So required both sacrifice and confession, the shedding of innocent blood and the confessing of the one in need of forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. Why Jesus had to die in our place. Romans 10, 9 says, the word of God is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that, he, that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be, you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. The high priest was an intermediary between God and man, between human, um, being human, could relate to the sinfulness of others, but had to make sacrifice for himself first. So that's what we need to remember when we see people wearing a bunch of robes and they think they're really holy. I may have shared with you, I, I, you know, I fill in at churches from time to time, especially if they have a midweek. I spoke at Calvary Antelope Valley this last Wednesday because we meet on Thursdays. But I was invited to speak at a church that was really struggling, and it was a guy that in my, my son's little league field was asking me if I would come. So I came, and, I, and when I got there, I had one of my assistants teach for me at the church in Santa Cruz. They had a pulpit that would give you a nosebleed. It was so high. They had stairs that went up, and the pulpit was up over in this corner over here. And then they took me in the back to pick out my rope. Yeah, we're not doing that. And I ain't going up there either. Because <laughs> we don't look up to men, we look up to God. Can I get an amen to that? And, it, and made, I, I thought people were going to have strokes. I took, a, I took a, one of the you know, things you put music on and put it down on the floor. Started to teach. I thought people were going to have a heart attack. But you know what, guys? The reality is we don't fall into the traps of traditions. And we don't, we don't, we don't make ourselves holy. He's holy. Can I get an amen to that? And he alone gets the praise and the honor and the glory. And we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? And we don't elevate men. We elevate God. And by the way, if you, if you send me something with reverend on it, it's going in the trash because you don't know me. Can I get an amen? We don't reverence men. We revere God. Amen? There's only room for one celebrity in Christianity, and his name's Jesus Christ. Amen? And the problem is, is we make the mistake of elevating men and people are walking around with robes on and pointy hats and all this stuff. And they're so holy and oh man, and oh, and they love to be in the city streets and pray the prayers and they love the praise of men. And I'm not kissing anybody's ring. Can I get an amen to that? None of that is in the Bible. And it breaks my heart because people have been brought up being caught up in religion and missing out on the relationship. Amen. He's the king of kings, and we can enter into his presence anywhere and anytime. Next, 
Jesus paid the price for our sin once and for all. He was always tempted yet without sin. He's called by God, not by men. All the high priests were, but something unique about Jesus. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says there, and, make, and no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God just as Aaron was. So nobody, be, you know, again, you don't campaign to be high priest. And by the way, we don't vote on stuff. You know why we don't vote on stuff? Because when they voted in the, the only few times they vote on the Bible, they, 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 first of all, they voted to, to replace uh, Judas, the cast lots, and then you never see that guy mentioned again, and some of you will disagree with me, and that's okay. I think Paul was the one. Can I get an amen? There's only two names of 12 apostles in heaven. That's just Pastor Dave's opinion. We can disagree on that. But then they voted. They wanted to go back to Egypt. <laughs> amen? Oh, yeah, we had leeks and onions. You had beatings and building bricks, and you were slaves there. How about that? It's amazing how we have this selective memory about our past. Can I get an amen? We remember the parties and forget the car wrapped around the telephone pole and puking in the gutter. Amen? But here's the reality is that we don't vote. It's appointed. God appoints. So God appoints who the high priests are. And God had very strict concerns about that. I'll give you a few examples in a moment. So they were called by God. No one takes, his, takes this to himself. The office of high priest was nothing to aspire to or campaign for. It was given by right of birth. Uh, all the priests were Levites, but not all the Levites were priests. And, all the, and we saw that they were even broken down that each of the family lines of the Levites had specific tasks that they were called to. The Gershonites cared for the veil and the fence and the curtains. The Kohathites, the furnishings, the lampstands, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant. The Merarites carried the boards and the pillars. So everybody had a calling. And you know, every time the, the cloud or the pillar moved, in the wilderness, they had to pick up the temple and move it to the next place. And as each person used their gift, it, it moved in a miraculous way. And the same is true of this body. You all have different gifts. You have gifts I don't have. I may have a gift you don't have. And when we use our gifts, that's when the church operates the way that it should. Can I get an amen to that? And that's why if you've got a gift and you're hiding it in the ground, not only do you suffer, but we suffer. Amen. So we're all called to use the gifts God's given us. Each one had a specific task, and the calling was known from birth. And so for you and I, the calling linked not to physical birth, but our rebirth. See, once they were born a Levite, they knew this was part of the calling on their life. And once we were born again from dead in our trespasses and sins to new creations in Christ, now we too have a calling upon our lives. Amen? And each one was faithful to God's calling upon their life. It says, but he who is called is called by God. It's important to note the source of the calling, called by God, not by men. And we are not to strive for positions. If you strive to attain it, you have to strive to keep it. I will never call anybody to do anything because if I call you, I have to sustain you. I don't have to worry about the worship team showing up. They're called. Can I get an Amen. I don't have to worry about the assistant, I, the people that are called into ministry. I never worry about the children's ministry. They're, just, they're, they're there. Can I get an amen? They're loving on your kids right now. They've been praying for them all week. They're ministering to them. See, when someone's called, again, by God, they're faithful to their calling. So Aaron was a man called to be the high priest to intercede between God and man. I'll give you a couple examples of how God feels about it. Not everybody's always happy with God's choice. So if you guys remember a guy by the name of Korah back in Numbers, he thought he had just as much right to be a priest as Moses. So he gathered a group of people to stand with him and demand to be made priest. So God decided to show Korah who he had chosen as priest. Korah and Aaron were both to offer incense before God and whoever survived would be priest. 
Korah offered with hundreds standing by his side, the earth opened up and swallowed them. I think God's pretty clear. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Then fire fell from the sky and took care of the rest of them. You know, and then God, to make it clear, they took staffs and they set them aside and they went in the next day and looked at the staffs and, the, and Aaron's was blooming. A dead stick had a flower blooming from it. God made it really clear who he had called. Amen. It happens other times in scripture. Saul, you know, King Saul, he took the place of the priest because he was panicking about the size of the army growing. So he stepped in and made the sacrifice. God ripped the kingdom from him. King Uzziah, or Uzziah, he... Uh, he too tried to step in and take the place of the high priest and God struck him with leprosy. So God has a very clear picture of the high priest. Why? Because it points to Jesus. Can I get an amen? See, that's the reason why we don't change what God has called and what God has ordained. The same mistake continues today. People attempt to be their own priests. They arrogantly think they can come to God their own way. Well, I meet God on the golf course. It's my church. I go out there and swing a club in Jesus' name. I meet the Lord out in the waves. You know, and I'm not saying you can't worship God wherever you are, but if you think, you can, you think the intermediary is the 18th hole, uh, you're not getting to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? There's one intermediary between man and God. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, I have my own way of approaching God. Uh, there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Amen? You can't come to God. I'm I'm just spiritual. I come to God in my own way. No, you're rejecting God in your own way. Amen? Fellowship or rebellion, choose one. You can't have both. Amen? And the sad part is that there are people that try to, you know, make their own priest. You need a high priest, and the only high priest that will get you to heaven is Jesus. Verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become my priest, But it was said of him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus is God in human flesh. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of all things. He didn't strive for position, did not glorify himself. If anybody could glorify himself, it's him. Can I get an amen to that? He could have walked in and said, everybody praise me. But he didn't do that, did he? You know what he did? He came and suffered and died in our place. He came and drew all men into himself when he was lifted up on the cross and he suffered and died in your place. That's the God that we serve. Amen. He is worthy to be worshiped and to be praised. But at the same time, he was always pointing people to the father. He did not strive for position. He did not strive to glorify himself. Jesus, the son pointed people to the father and he gives us access to him today. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit points people to the son. Jesus pointed people to the father. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. Amen? And they're all one God, and it gives me a headache because they're one God in three persons. Head's going to explode. Amen? Because we're finite men trying to understand infinite God. Amen? But it says, but it is he who said to him. It is he who said to him. That's Almighty God. Almighty God, the Father, is speaking of Jesus, the Son. You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. It's easy, again, to see why they would struggle with Jesus' priesthood because Jesus is not a Levite. What tribe is he from? Bonus points. Judah, Judah, the tribe of Judah. We're going to see in chapter 7, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, a man by the name of Melchizedek. And we're going to see here in a few verses that Jesus is of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, we'll get into Melchizedek in depth in chapter 7, but let's just say this about him. 
It says he has no genealogy. He has no history or ancestry. He received tithes and gifts and worship. Did any angels receive any worship? What did they do when people try to worship him? What did they do? Get up. <laughs> Amen. Don't worship me. He received worship. Melchizedek. It says he has no ancestry. He received tithes and offerings. And you know what? Not a doubt in my mind that Melchizedek is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate in the Old Testament. Amen? And we see often the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And I believe that's Jesus Christ every single time. He always has been. Amen? So he's of the, of the, the line of Melchizedek. He's not a Levite. And again, that'll be explained later as we go on in the text. So as the early church was being drawn back to the now corrupt and no longer valid old covenant priesthood, the text makes it clear that Jesus is the great high priest called by God. And the priesthood of Jesus is better than the priesthood of Aaron. When he says there, you are my son today, I've begotten you, he's quoting Psalm 2. Jesus, unlike other priests, is the son of God. Jesus is better. Amen. What kind of worship can you have in a house? Can you imagine them saying that? We got the temple. See the temple? Look at that, man. One of the seven wonders of the world. Look at where you go to church. Where do you go to church? Outside at a school? Really? Okay. <laughs> Today I've begotten you. The word begotten there doesn't mean it's physical birth. In context, it means I've bring, I brought you forth or delivered you. It refers to Jesus' resurrection, fully assumed his role as the great high priest, having atoned man's sin, having endured its wrath, having ascended into heaven. Jesus is not only called, but called of God. He is the son of God. He has risen from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is our great high priest. Verse 6. So he's our high priest, called by God, not by men. Verse 6 says, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so we'll talk more about him when we get to chapter 7. But Jesus has an unending priesthood that never goes away. No one will ever replace him. No one comes to the Father but by him and can be no succession of priests. Uh, he has all the power. He did not give the keys to the church to Peter. Can I get an amen to that? He is the great high priest. He, know, he needs no one to act in his place. It nullifies all other pretense of everybody elected by men to be the pope or a leader of any church. Again, the, no, there's no church that is the source of salvation. Jesus is the source of salvation. Amen? So your faith is not in a church. We are the church. Our faith is in Jesus. I know this is redundant, but it's in the Bible for a reason. Amen? He's the great high priest, great high priest forever. We'll look more at Melchizedek later. By the way, it does say of him two things that I love. He's the king of Salem. Uh, Melchizedek is referred to as the king of Salem in Genesis 14, beginning of the Bible. Salem would later become Jerusalem, and Salem means peace. It also says later of him that he is the king of righteousness. So righteousness and peace. Who in the world is that talking about? That's Jesus, amen? And it's in the Old Testament. I love it. The Bible's so good. Verse 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was, was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, this will give you a little bit of a headache. How does God learn anything? What the word learn there literally means to experience. 
Does God know everything? What's the answer? Of course he does. He's all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful. But he, in a sense, learned, he experienced suffering. So this is, to me, very clearly, though the references in there, talking about when Jesus was in the garden, as he was about to go to the cross, and he was crying out to the Father, and he sweat great drops of blood. And it was in that place where he knew suffering at a greater depth because he knew what was coming in front of him. And he endured the torment, he endured the suffering, and endured the shame out of love for you. So he endured that on our behalf. That's the God that we serve. And during his time in the flesh, he knew what it was like to hunger and to thirst. He knew what it was like to feel the pain of being beaten, being mocked, and being scourged. His supplications there, it's interesting. I love this word. I love when I go look up words in original language. In Greek, it means, it means an olive branch wrapped in wool, the word for supplication. In the Greek culture, they would hold and wave to express their desperate prayer and desire. Well, isn't that interesting that Jesus was crying out in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives, and he is the Lamb of God, right? What's, what's made out of wool, right? Where does wool come from? And it's all pointing to Jesus. So when they were waving this olive branch with a, with a, with, covered in wool, it's all pointing to Jesus. And this is what they were doing to make supplication. Guys, we make supplication. We come before the one who is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. Amen? Yes. Bible's good stuff. People go, oh, I read the Bible. It's fill, uh, it's, uh, bro, you haven't read it. Can I get an amen to that? I love when they tell me, I've read it and I just don't think. I said, what's the main, what's the main theme? That's always my favorite response. What's the main theme of the Bible? Go. Uh, yeah, if you've read it, it's Jesus. Can it, by the way, when you ask a question at church, you say Jesus, you're probably right. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Who's the Jesus? Yeah, the amen, there it is. With vehement cries and tears, Jesus being 100% God was 100% man. He endured the torment and suffering and shame out of his love for you out of his love for me. He came broken before the Father. He cries out in tears. He comes to the only one who is able to save him from his dire circumstances, to him who is able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus is God. He's the son of God. And in the midst of great trials, he cried out to the Father. Guys, if Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, cries out to the Father, how much more should we? Amen? Pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise come to God for comfort, for direction. Let's finish up. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Again, that word learned there is to know by experience. Jesus being God, again, knows everything. He suffered in our place. But there's something unique about suffering because it teaches us a lot. There's some things you'll never learn apart from suffering. Can I get an amen to that? Count all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, Right? Trials produce patience, perfecting of our faith. It's suffering. It's the trials of life where we grow the most. And yet we want to avoid them. And there's a false understanding that if I give my life to Jesus, I'll never suffer. Well, you show me somebody in the Bible used mightily. I'll show you someone who suffered greatly. Amen? And the Bible talks about the fellowship of his suffering. And you know what? Here's the reality. I think all of us, our goal in life is to be comfortable. I get this stuff now because I'm getting old. How to, re- how to retire comfortably. And it's all about being comfortable. And, you know, we don't buy uncomfortable living room sofas. We want to be comfortable. Can I get an amen? But, but that's kind of the focus that we have is being comfortable. And sometimes we understand that he gave us a comforter because we're not supposed to be comfortable. Can I get an amen? 
Because in this life, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And if we're not willing to be uncomfortable for God, that's, that is a shame because he was willing to suffer and endure everything for us. Why don't we share our faith? It's uncomfortable. Why don't we use our gifts more? I don't know. It's uncomfortable. And because we don't want to be, we just want to be comfortable in this life. And Lord, help us not to be. In 1 Thessalonians 3, Christians are appointed to affliction. In Acts 14, it is through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. In Romans 8, our current suffering is a prelude to future glory. We are joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Guys, suffering should not be something we fear. Amen? Because it's but light affliction compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm over time, but I'm reading the last two verses. Though he was son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered, verse 9 and 10. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Notice that Jesus suffered in our place, and he is the author of our eternal salvation. Having been perfected, he's complete. He's completed the work. He's accomplished what he was called to do. The work of redemption was made complete and finished through his suffering on the cross. He became the author. Jesus is the sinless perfection. And through his finished work, redemption was made complete on the cross of Calvary. He's the author, the source, the cause. Some don't want Jesus to be the author of their salvation. They want to write their own book of salvation. Uh, Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. I sure hope he didn't finish that way. Can I get an amen? If you try to do it your way, you're going in the wrong direction. We want to do it God's way. Can I get an amen? We want to submit to him. You know, God won't uh, read your book that you wrote about how you're going to be saved. To all who obey him, the word fellowship, you know, fellowship comes from walking in obedience to the Lord. It's, it, you know, the word obey is synonymous with believe. To believe is to obey. If you really believe it, you'll obey it. If you really believe in gravity, you won't step off a hundred story building. Can I get an amen to that? If you believe it, you're going to take action. And guys, if we truly believe what the Bible says, it ought to impact how we behave. Belief impacts behavior. And he was called by God as the high priest. Again, not through personal ambition, according to the order of Melchizedek. We'll be talking a lot about him in a couple of weeks. So our great high priest, Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is sinless, perfect, and holy. Jesus paid the price for our sins once and for all. Jesus was and always tempted and yet without sin. Jesus is called by God, not by men, unique in his calling. Jesus is our great high priest forever. Jesus suffered in our place. Jesus is the author of our eternal salvation. Why in the world would you turn to anyone or anything else but Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. And I know for many, maybe this is kind of a, a long and tedious chapter, a lot in here. But we're thankful, Lord, that it all points to you. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Our hope is in you, Lord. The world has nothing to offer us. If we live in, according to this world, we'll always be empty. There'll always be something missing. It's a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled, filled by your Son and His shed blood on the cross of Calvary. May we turn to no man. May we run to no religion. Lord, may we submit in our lives completely and only unto you. 
Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. We thank you that you're interceding on our behalf even right now. We thank you that through your shed blood, we've been made holy. We thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you, Lord, that when we close our eyes on earth, we're gonna open them up in glory. We thank you, Lord, that we grieve, but not as those without hope. Lord, we thank you that you've given us life and life more abundant. We thank you that you're such a faithful and a loving and a merciful God. And we thank you, Lord, you've adopted us into your family. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and all God's people said.